Okay, we're continuing in the book of Titus. We had a good week last week. If you listened to the sermon online, it only got put up this morning, so it's not. So I'm disappointed you haven't heard it already. And I'm reading from Titus chapter 1, verse 4. Um, and uh, we, we heard last week that's uh, written by Paul to Titus. Uh, it's, it's sort of a later letter, but to a newer church on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean. And uh, Paul had obviously been there, and when he left, he left Titus there with a charge to uh, sort out leaderships of the churches and um, to go on preaching the gospel. So from Titus chapter 1 verse 4, To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. The reason I left you in Crete was that you may straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. I feel like teaching. Yeah. So I want you to make, just have in mind your Christian leaders when we talk about it later on and make sure they come up to the standard. Uh, I mean, elders, not pastors. So don't, don't look everywhere. But I actually want to focus a bit, uh, well, a, a lot firstly on, on the blessing that Paul gives at start. But he starts with, to Titus, my true son in that common faith. They have a common faith. His faith looks like Paul's faith, the same as a father looks like a son. Uh, the same gospel, the same truth, the same faith in Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this binds believers together, the gospel. Little side issues tear people apart. The gospel of Jesus Christ binds people together. So when you see people being torn apart, just think, what's the issue they've got? You know, it just, just something we've been talking about lately, um, conspiracy theories. Does that bind people together? Actually, does talking about church leadership bind people together? Um, yeah. Um, does the message of a cross, of full salvation and forgiveness through Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father, it binds people together. Well, it binds the believers together. Okay, and he says this blessing, which he starts a lot and finishes a lot of his letters with. Grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. And it's really worth stopping on this blessing. Because it sums up, firstly, what Paul wants for the people and what the truth of God is. And I don't know if you ever think much about the word grace, but I would encourage you to think about grace for the rest of your life. Because it's the very nature of God, it's the very nature of his action towards us, it's the nature of who we are, and it's totally opposed to everything else in in the world 
and every other religion in the world. Grace is basically people say undeserved favour. Someone is kind to you when you do nothing to earn it. They're just kind to you because they're kind. Unearned. Uh, we've earned our wages. Wages of sin is death. But the grace has brought the gift of life, which is eternal life, which we didn't deserve. That's grace. It is, the, it is God in action. Now, this world doesn't work by grace. This world works by you get what you deserve, doesn't it? That's the norm. You give to those who deserve to be given to. Yeah? They might be poor, but they're really victims, so you give to them. But you don't dare give to people who have been horrible with their money. Spend on smokes. You don't, you don't give to that, right? You give. That's, this is not grace. This is ungrace, what I'm talking about. Good actions get rewarded. Good works deserve payment. This is the world. Good character deserves to be blessed. True? Well, that's how the world thinks. And so, if you put that into Christianity, then a Christian is someone who's well-behaved because then they deserve God's blessing. And if they're of their own will and strength, follow God, they become religious, pious, devout, good, then God will accept them. But if they're not very good, then just like Father Christmas, God will say, no presents for you this year. Okay, so what I'm saying is Christians would be the moral cream of the crop if that's how God did things. Yeah? How many people here would be in there? <laughs> really? Okay, now, now, now if you look at other religions, all other religions have some sort of laws to obey, a standard to meet, you work hard to obey the religious decrees, Get, do this or some sort of sacrificial requirements or give money or give prayers or, or whatever, carry out acts they should and that's the ones God will accept. They are saved by what they do. So the world works like that. Other religious work, basically you were brought up like that. Yep? You, you do the right thing in the potty, you get a lolly. Yep? You don't, you don't. Is that a bad example? Okay. Okay, that's it don't do it somewhere else. But either way, it's still... It's, it's natural to bring up kids like that, but that is not the way that God works. He gives grace which is free. Okay, He gives salvation to those who don't deserve it. He forgives those who are at their worst, not when they're good, not even when they're just getting a bit better. You know, we sort of think, I'm coming to the end. You ever think that about, I know I'm sinning again, but I think I might be on the upturn. <laughs> You're about to go down again, right? God shows us grace. He shows grace when he saves us, and he shows us grace every day. Because if God is perfectly holy, and he is perfectly holy, right, then not a day goes by that our actions don't deserve his judgment. Yep. And he should leave us, but his grace has flowed for us and his grace continues to flow like a never-ending waterfall every day. So Paul says, and he starts with the grace to you. May you know the grace of God. 
May you live in it. May you be gripped by this grace. May the grace, because when that grace comes to you, peace will come. Grace and peace. Peace, knowing the whole world's good. Well, it's not the whole world's good, but I'm good with this world. I'm at peace no matter what I face in my body, in my family, in my work, in this world. If a war comes, I'm at peace because, what does um, Colin Buchanan say, the greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. Right? So if you know that grace, you will live in peace and you'll be able to say, it is well with my soul, no matter what you face. You'll know God loves you, that he's with you. And he's chosen you because of his grace. Grace brings peace. So Peter says in his letter, grow in grace. In other words, get into that because the more you think about God's grace to you and the way that he keeps giving it, the more you'll become that person who is full of grace. And the Holy Spirit brings grace and peace to us and we grow in it. Where do they come from? Grace and peace to you, God our Father, and the Lord Jesus as Saviour. He saved us. So, there is nowhere else that grace and peace in this life will come from. Except God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit will be the one who brings it to you. Um, so, that's Paul's prayer. And I, and I, I, I actually... If, if, you know we sang a blessing before? And blessings in the Bible... Uh, are meant to, you, they're the kind of prayers that you believe that God is actually going to do something in you through them. He's going to actually act. So I'd say this, may the Holy Spirit today bring you God's grace and his peace that comes from the Father and Lord Jesus Christ our Saviour. And may you know it and treasure it because I can tell you there's nothing greater there's nothing more important and nothing else will give the grounding of our lives that we need. Now from this, Paul goes on to describe Christian leaders, what they should be like. But understand this, at the heart of a Christian leader is someone who reflects God's grace because they are at peace with God. Okay, If, if it was anything else, it would be problematic, you understand? A, a Christian leader is gripped by the grace of God and they know the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, for this reason in verse 5, Paul says, I left you in Crete, that's Titus was left in Crete, you might straighten out what was left unfinished. That didn't mean sort it out, it just means there was people becoming Christians and, and there, there was no way that they were tied together, so you needed Christian uh, leaders or elders in every town as I directed you. Now, this visit of Paul Crete is kind of unknown. It's not in the book of Acts. So it either happened when Paul went on an excursion that's not in there, which, or it's uh, the book of Acts leaves him in, in prison in Rome and uh, a lot of, it seems like he was let out of prison for a while before he'd re-imprisoned and it happened in that time. It's Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it seems that there's a, it's a new church. You can tell that. There's no leadership. Leadership naturally begins, doesn't it? It, it just happens. It's not even there yet. So it, it's, a, it's a new church. And, but, the, but there's Christians in a number of towns. Establish the, uh, the eldership in a number of towns. 
And then Paul goes on to describe what type of people should be Christian leaders. Unfortunately, sometimes Christianity is only known by its leaders, isn't it? I'd say unfortunately because sometimes they're not real flash. It's a pity because Christianity should be known by Jesus and, and, and his grace and who he is rather than, than people. And it, it, it gets nervous and I don't want to justify myself because I'll tell you that all leaders fail. That's what I'm saying is I fail. <laughs> so, lots of self-justification in this. You can't help it, but I can't help it. But all people and all leaders... Christian leaders fall short at some point of what Paul said a Christian leader would be. He starts in a minute by saying an elder must be blameless. Crash and burn everybody. Okay? So, uh, you understand, we, we've got to know, and, and leaders have to know, that they're under grace. If you don't know that from the start, you will, then what, you, what will happen is you'll go, God is all grace, he saved me by grace, Leaders are under law. And you've got to obey these laws. You understand? But if God runs, if he saves us by grace and we live by grace, we don't want to be in a church that's run by laws. So look, grace still stretches over um, Christian leaders. If, if you were to uh, go for a job, and I went for a job once to be a pastor, and they interviewed me about three times, once with Jody there, and they went on and on and on, and they looked at things like, are you good with people? Are you a good speaker, good orator? Can you get your point across? Do you have experience? There's lots of bad experience. Uh, good business mind, because you need a business mind to run a church, right? Yeah. A visionary, you've got to be a visionary. Uh, bold, and you've got to have a certain skill set. I love that word, skill set. It's kind of like you've got this pouch in your pocket. Pull it out, and here it is, in my skill set. It's interesting, isn't it, that Paul doesn't... None of those things are in his qualification. Okay, You can have a, a person who's not great with people, who can't speak very well, hasn't got a lot of experience, maybe they're a bit timid. They don't have a lot of desire... Uh, division, they're not that strong and bold person and and they haven't got a lot of skills and God says that's good for, that's good for Christian leader can you say that? because what's he interested well actually he talks a lot more about the moral uh, character of the person their family their faith in Jesus which if you go imagine going to an interview and someone says so tell us about your family Hey, hey, how's the relationship with the wife? Is it good? Yeah? Um, of kids under control? Yeah? Yeah? Well, the, tell us about your faith. It's not, these are the questions that are not allowed in an interview. Christian leadership not, it's, it's, it's about something different. Because you see, a person who has the qualifications of living under the grace of God has the Holy Spirit. The great qualification for Christian leadership. You've got the Spirit of God. And the, the Spirit of God will work through the bad orator. Yeah? The person who finds it difficult to speak to people, but speaks in the power of the Holy Spirit. Gets his words mixed, or her words mixed up. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So, okay. Verse 6, start with the first bit. And the elder must be blameless, or uh, other translations would say, above reproach. It says it again in a minute, so it's important. Blameless. What does that mean? Does that mean sinless? Um, it's, um, it, I think it really means this. It's someone who actually lives in the message they proclaim. They are consistent. They're not hypocritical. Uh, they don't say one thing and live another. Which is what Jesus said about the Pharisees often. You, you, you say this, but you do that. Okay? So the, you're blameless in the sense that no one can... You know, if... And it does happen, people say to me, you know, you, you sing here, you can go, yes, that's true. That's in accord, and in accordance with my gospel, that's what I know. You understand what I'm saying? You're blameless in the sense that in, there's no real leverage that someone's got to say, ha gotcha. Does that make sense? Now, what it doesn't mean is that a Christian leader is someone who hides stuff. You know, who, uh, who, who puts on a show. Those people get found out, don't they? Because one day they fall. It also doesn't mean it's somebody who does, who, who's... Christians have a past, don't they? They have a life before Christianity. Paul was murdering people. So blameless can't mean you've never made a mistake, can it? Understand? It's not about your past, because when you become a Christian... I was reminded of my past. It was a really good occasion for me about September. And somebody, when we went back to my hometown, you know how prophets not welcome in his hometown, told me about what I did at my 21st birthday, 30 years ago, and said, you did all that, pastor, <laughs> as if it was really going to kill me. Um, yeah. Blameless is not saying you haven't got a past. Actually, blameless really saying, because how is a person made pure by faith? by faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done. Okay? A blameless person is someone who looks to God. When you read uh, the start of Job, it speaks about him as being a blameless man. But he, he questions God and gets it wrong in there, but it's not saying that. It's saying, here is a man of faith whose heart is towards God. Does that make sense? Because righteousness comes by faith. The, the, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay. There's someone who lives and acts according to the gospel. They don't put on a mask. I'm not saying don't wear face masks. <laughs> That's not it. Okay, but they don't act like someone else. Okay. Uh, verse 6. An, episode, an, an elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. So you've got to have had children who have never been disobedient. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now the, the husband of one wife bit, actually the Greek says this, he's a one woman man. Now what is that saying about Christianity? What, it, it's not saying all leaders have to be a married man because Paul wasn't married. Okay. What he's really saying is, this is a man who does not get around. He's not sexually immoral. Now it, you've got to say, even in a secular country like Australia, 
we are at the moment holding our leaders to a standard, which is important, isn't it? Because our leaders have been sexually immoral and doing horrible stuff in Parliament House in Canberra. That's not good, is it? Um, <coughs> what he's saying is, leaders aren't like that. That's not, that's not a Christian leader. Okay? Uh, children who, who believe, that's a, a really hard one because it seemed like then the person who, whose children, it's their responsibility that they would be a leader. Now, the, the Greek here, and I've read a lot of commentaries on this, most of the Bible scholars think that the word here, uh, believe, which is the same word as faithful, means children who are faithful. Um, you can't actually make your children Christians. Anybody who's got kids knows that. Um, and it's a brand new church. It seems unlikely that there'd be a brand new church and his whole family who are Christians with adult children who are Christians, you know, and, and it, that, it, that's what they're saying. They said it's more likely here that it means these children are faithful, which is the same way that Paul says in 1 Timothy when he's talking about, he says, your family is well managed, that's what he says. Uh, again, not obviously wild and disobedient. They're not uh, way out there. Okay. Does that make sense? Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing. This is the negative list. We're going to have the positive list in a minute. But not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Now, if you remember the people who lived in Crete, it was a place, it was a criminal hideout. They were called Cretans, which is a bad word now because of this book in the Bible, um, uh, Titus. They were violent drunks and swindles. They were looking to rip people off. That's the type of people in, in there. And Paul's saying, don't pick from that pool, people, Titus. Choose leaders who have been changed by the Lord Jesus. Because all of them were that, weren't they? Later on in, in chapter 3, he's going to say, now that's what you were, but it's not who you are now. So pick leaders from people who have been changed by the Lord Jesus. They have a new life. That's what they shouldn't be like. I think that's, we all know that, those things. What should they be like? Rather, they should be hospitable, who love what is good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. It's really interesting, isn't it, that the first thing he says about what a Christian leader should be is hospitable. Interesting, isn't it? Imagine saying that in the job interview. So, you're happy to invite people into your home, into your own personal life. <laughs> Not about to ask that one either, are we? Someone who shares not just their goods, not talking about that, it's talking about sharing your life, your family, your home with other people. That's what hospitableness, hospitality is. is. People will come into your life, and when they do, they will experience you personally in your own environment. That's probably why the family stuff is important, isn't it? Because They'll see your home. They'll see what's going on. They will see if you bear the grace of God. Because who you are at home is who you are, isn't it? Really? Yeah. 
You understand what I'm saying? That's, okay. Do you bear the grace of God there? You love what is good. Self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. Bears witness to who Jesus is, by the way, and who they are. Must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that has been taught so they can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, hold firmly to the trustworthy message. The word message there is word. The word logos. Someone who holds firmly to the trustworthy message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That has to be the number one thing in a Christian leader's life. They don't get taken over by doctrines that are crazy. Because that's happening all the time. In, in every church, there are like arrows of weird, and, and, but sometimes seemingly okay, but I'm not quite sure about that, doctrines coming in. Firstly, the thing that will keep a, a Christian leader a Christian leader is that they have the gospel as the main driver for everything they think about and everything they are, because that will the grace of God will hold them firm through the hardships. Those other arrows that come in, they will take people away. Understand what I'm saying? Hold to the gospel of grace. He says. Now, not only do they hold to the gospel, the trustworthy word, they also encourage sound doctrine. Now, the sound word there is actually the word healthy. But it's not healthy as in someone who's fit and strong. It's healthy as in someone who's not sick. It's a medical word, healthy, right? Yeah, so someone who doesn't have sick doctrine. It's full of, you know, doctrine that's full of bacteria and viruses, that sort of thing. Those little things that spread throughout a body. Um, they're healthy because you see that the, the, those, the theological bacteria, they destroy and divide and tear apart and they take away, they always divert away from grace and they make people frustrated, guilty, confused ashamed and so on. Now, it's, it's not only do Christians hold firmly to the word of the gospel and sound doctrine or healthy doctrine, it says also, and this is the bit that's hard, they refute those who oppose it. In other words, they actually refute lies. You can actually speak against rubbish. When people talk rubbish, you say, that's rubbish. Okay, you don't allow God's church to be exposed to those lies, big or small. You expose those lies for what they are. Now, because those lies, again, will tear down grace, assurance. Okay, If, if you ever are hearing something and if the outworking of that doctrine causes you to wonder if you're really a Christian, think that doctrine has not come from the right place. Sometimes, you see, things sound good and life-giving and positive, they will bless you, but when they don't work out the way they're promised, they bring depression and doubt. Yeah? They're not actually from the right place, because God's true teaching of grace gives us a firmness where we know it's all good. It is well with my soul. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? They bring a firm foundation because it's based on the grace and peace of the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and that will never leave you in a place of doubt and fear and disappointment. Can you understand? This is really important. I don't want to get particular because there's so many particulars in, in strange doctrines. But a Christian leader will expose that. And I think that's part of all of our responsibilities. To expose that sort of thing. Because we are built on the truth, the character of God, on his love, his goodness and his kindness. And what I want to tell you, on this basis, on the basis of his goodness and kindness and grace, Christians can become leaders. It's actually allowable. Yep. And all of us actually lead in some sort of way. Every single person leads in some sort of way. We do. And we can, as leaders, grow in grace and peace. As we look to him, as we live by faith. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and peace. And we know we haven't deserved it or earned it. But we're so thankful that you've given it to us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Father, I thank you for the call you place on people's life to lead and the, and the way that you do that even for all of us in various ways. And Father, that you give us the qualifications to do that. Holiness, righteousness, integrity, truth. They come as a gift of your spirit. That you give us the fruit of the spirit. And that you are making us pure day by day. So from that, Father, I pray that we would boldly stand up and be those leaders you've called us to be, that we would stand firm, and Father, that where sin seeks to crowd in on our life, where things get in the way of our worship for you, that you would break them down, and Father, that you would give us strength to leave them behind and to live in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.